welcome to the Farmingdale campus. Welcome to the Bethlehem Network and welcome to New Life Assembly of God. We're grateful that you're here today. We know it's a holiday weekend and we know a lot of people are running around. Pastor Pete DeCroach, he is at a wedding this weekend and so we said take, the, take some time off and relax and I just love that guy. Isn't he awesome? Isn't Pastor Pete awesome? He's an awesome dude, man. I tell you what. I, I knew from the moment I met him that he had a heart to reach lost people and people that don't know the Lord. And, and uh, he just has a, a real heart for people. And we, we thank the Lord for that. Well, we're excited today. Uh, we are actually satelliting. And uh, we're satelliting over into the Valley Stream campus. So I spoke at the first service, ran over here for the second service. We're taping it for the third service over there. So it's amazing what the Lord is doing. And we thank God for his faithfulness. Uh, just, just a few really quick announcements. Uh, I know that you guys really, really are getting to be a community. And we love that. And so don't forget that there's coffee, there's tea, and there's refreshments after the service in the cafe. Doesn't this place look awesome? I mean, come on, somebody. Help me out here. This place looks awesome. Every time I come here, I'm like, oh, man, they did this and they did that. Man, I'm telling you, Pastor Pete, he doesn't let the grass grow under his feet, right? Uh, he loves the house of God, and he loves to see things in order. And we thank God for that. Please set the next date, the next membership day at the Valley Stream campus is August 3rd, and I want to really encourage you guys to get to find out what is the vision, the core values, and the mission of the Bethlehem Network, and you, New Life, you're a part of that network, and uh, we just want to reach more and more people. You know, this 4th of July, we reached out to thousands of people in Valley Stream by actually going out the town actually and this is going to happen here I'm telling you this is going to happen in Farmingdale they asked us to come to their fireworks presentation and they asked us to put on help them with the children's stuff and so we had a big children's ministry and they allow us to give out invitations to the church and we give out big uh, balls, beach balls, and there were 3,900 beach balls flying in the air that said Bethlehem Assembly of God on it. Come on, somebody. We gave the devil a black eye on, on the 4th of July. Amen? And uh, so every year, people come to our church, and they say, you know what? They say, we came here. Like, I'll go introduce myself. How'd you come in? They say, because somebody gave me a Frisbee with the name of the church on it. Come on. How many know a Frisbee can get somebody saved? Come on. God uses the foolish things of this world. I'm a Frisbee, you know? And so... Um, and so it's awesome to see that. And so please keep, keep abreast of the outreaches in the church here, the campus. we got to reach more people. Amen. You know, this is too good. What's going on here needs to be told out there. Amen? And so it's too good. We can't, we can't be selfish. we got to share it. Amen? we got to share what God's doing. So I'm, I'm thankful that we're able to do that. And I want to ask the ushers if they would come right now. And we're going to take the morning tithes and offering the only way we can continue to do what we do is through faithful tithe and offering. I want to encourage you to do that. Now, I also understand that Jeffrey McCarter and Dahlia, they really, well, they really helped out this week, and we want to thank them for their painting and their cleaning of cabinets. Are they there? Is Jeffrey here today? Jeffrey here? All right. He's so tired, Jeffrey, that he stayed home. No, I'm just kidding from all the work. Everybody say, thank you, Jeffrey. We love you, Jeffrey. Thank you for all your hard work, and we appreciate everything 
that you have done. We appreciate all of the workers here. Some of you guys have really rolled up your sleeves to get this place looking as beautiful as it does. And we appreciate that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this offering. We thank you, Lord, for the giving people, Lord, in this church, Lord, that are helping this church to go to a whole new level. God, we thank you, Lord. We can't wait to see the greater things that you're going to do in this campus. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 If the children are here and they need to be dismissed, they can do that at this time. And we want to welcome the Valley Stream Campus. Hey guys, we are a part of one church, two campuses. And so Valley Stream, we say hello. I know that I can't see you, but you could see us. And from the Farmingdale Campus, everybody in the Farmingdale Campus, why don't you just stand up, look at the camera right there and say, hello Valley Stream. <laughs> Give Valley Stream a big hand. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we want to really just talk a little bit about being strong this morning and what God wants to do in our life. But before we do that, we want to talk a little bit about some opportunities that we have as two campuses, one church. Now, I'm going to actually be going to Jamaica. We've made a commitment, to, a long-term commitment to Jamaica. And uh, this year, we're going to be going on two different missions trips. One is to Jamaica. And one is to Romania. Anybody from Jamaica in the house here? Do we have any Jamaican people here today? No, we're going to have to get a couple of Jamaicans in this house, you know, because we need some good Jamaican food here, all right? Anybody from the Caribbean here? Anybody from the Caribbean? Oh, look at all these Caribbean folks. All right, so this year we're going to be going to Jamaica, and uh, we helped build a teen challenge center in Jamaica, a drug rehabilitation center there. It's a beautiful three-story building, and we are now in the process of helping build a men's home in another part of Ocho Rios, Jamaica. And uh, we're looking for some men 
who will help us with the construction. We're also looking for some young people and some women and, and uh, some folks that will come along with us because when we go to Jamaica, we do compassionate ministry in the streets. Uh, we're going to have big evangelistic crusades for the children. And uh, we're going to visit a woman's home that we just started there in Jamaica. We're going to do some leadership training and we're going to work with the men in the program. Anyone is welcome to come. There's only 30 spots and they're filling up fast. So you need to get your deposit in. And if you uh, sign up, the first 30 people, we're going to give you a $300 scholarship from Bethlehem Assembly of God. And so I want to encourage you that if you've ever wanted to go on a missions trip, it is November the 9th through the 16th and you need to come it will change your life we're also going to Romania it's a small team that's going about five to ten people and they're actually going to a village by which we will go there and adopt the village so that year after year we can go back to that village it's a gypsy village and um, we're gonna go there and we're just gonna invest we're gonna invest our love we're gonna help them with whatever they need and we're gonna minister the gospel to them so those are exciting times for missions and we want the new life campus to join us on one of those missions trips so if you're really interested in doing that please call the office speak to Nancy let her know that you'd really love to go on a missions trip I'm excited about the facility upgrades I'm, a, I'm really excited about the the solid leadership team we have here at New Life and I'm excited about what God's doing amongst the children I'm excited about outreaches I'm just really excited about what God is doing now and what God's gonna do in the future and Valley Stream Campus, we want to really encourage you to continue to pray for Farmingdale. And I want to encourage you, if you live by Farmingdale, I want you to make this your campus. You're going to hear the same message. You're going to hear wonderful worship. You're going to hear the same heartbeat. And you're going to hear the same mission, vision, and core values. And I want to encourage you, this is a wonderful place to make uh, this your home campus so that you can begin to help this campus reach out to more and more people. Well, we've been talking about being strong. And I want to conclude the series called Being Strong. And we're going to move into a new series in the summertime. And it's, and it's really about re-energizing our lives, refreshing our lives, talking about revival and how it applies to our lives as people. And I want to encourage you to begin to pray. I want to encourage you to begin to invite people to the campus so that you guys can show people what it is to love God with all their heart. But we've been talking about being strong. And we've been talking about the fact that God wants every person to be strong in courage. That we need to be courageous. And I know that here at this campus, Pastor Pete has been talking about being strong and courageous. And we've been looking at some characters in the Bible. And some of them were real characters. But I want you to know that God wants us to be strong in courage. He wants us to be strong in conviction. He wants us to be strong in character. He wants us to be strong in spiritual warfare. Because the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and wickedness in high places. Therefore, we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Why? Because I believe real tough times are going to come to America. I believe we've taken a shift as a, as a nation. I believe that we've turned our back on God and Christians are going to be persecuted and it's going to get tough and only the strong will stand. Somebody say amen. amen. Now this morning I want to speak to you about where our strength comes from. I want to talk to you about a young man in the Bible who had the world at his fingertips. I want to speak to you about a young man who had the strength to kill 
30 men with his bare hand. And then he pulled some bars off and some gates off. And uh, he got so angry one time that he, he was actually able to rip off the hinges of cast iron gates. I want to talk to you about a young man who actually killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And eventually a young man who pulled down the pillars of a temple to kill many Philistines. His name is Samson in the Bible. Now who is Samson? Well, in the times of Israel and in the times where God was doing something in the people of Israel, the Bible says that the Israelites would go through a cycle. They would go through a cycle of sin in their life, rebellion in their life. They turned their back on God, and as a result of turning their back on God, they would go through a time of servitude. So they went from sin to servitude. Listen to me. Sin might look good for a season. It might look really beautiful for a season. The devil always paints a beautiful picture of sin. But the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Don't play with sin. It'll destroy your life. And God kept on warning the people of Israel not to play with sin because if they played with sin, they would be put into bondage or servitude. And the Bible says that they would not listen to the prophets. They would not listen to God. And as a result of that, God would turn them over to their enemies, the Philistines, to teach them that they should not play with sin. Well, you know what happened. They cried out to God. So they went from sin to servitude to sorrow. They began to cry out to God. And how many know that when we cry out to God with a humble heart, God hears our cry. God hears our plea for salvation or deliverance. And God is a God of the thousand chance. And how many of you in this room right now, you know that God came into your life. He forgave you of your sin. And he gave you a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth. Every day he seems to give us new mercy. Come on somebody say amen his mercy is new every day of our life and the bible said that he heard the cries of the 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 israelites and so he sent deliverers he sent judges to them to deliver them from their bondage so they went from sin to servitude to sorrow to salvation come on somebody and the bible tells us that god was going to raise up a young man and I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13. It's easy to find. It's right between Genesis and Revelation. Judges chapter 13. And again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years they were in bondage. And a certain man of Zorah named Manah from the clan of Danites, had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. And no razor may be used on his head, because the boy will be a Nazarite, set apart for God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Verse 24. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samuel, uh, Samson. And he grew, and the Lord blessed him. And listen to what it says. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Manahah, Dan, between Zorah and Ashtoreth. Now, God gives an incredible word to Samson's parents. 
He said, I'm going to raise up a deliverer. And so God gives Samson this incredible strength as he gets older. And the Bible says that Samson was strong, but it wasn't in his own power, but it was in the power of God. Now here's what happens. Samson begins to think that the power is really from him. He begins to listen to his own press. He begins to look in the mirror, and instead of seeing a skinny, scrawny little guy who's totally dependent on God, he begins to think that his strength is really from himself. And he begins to play with sin. And you know, the Bible tells us in Judges that Samson, he was hard-headed, and he was rebellious, and he went to his parents, and he said, man, see that young lady right there? I don't care that she's not a godly woman. I don't care that she comes from a pagan tribe. I want her, and I want to marry her and her parents and his parents said isn't there anyone in the tribe of Israel that you can marry that you have to go outside and marry someone listen I'm going to get to meddling for a few moments listen if you're a young person and you got your eye on a young lady and she's not a Christian you better run like the house is on fire because the truth is God says that you're not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Why? Because light and darkness has nothing to do with one another. If you're a young lady and you say, oh, you know, Pastor Steve, it's easy for you to talk, but there's no young men in the church. They're all losers. You know, there's nobody in the church that I can, can date, so I've got to go outside the church. Let me tell you something. I'm going to give you a warning right now. You marry somebody that, that's not a Christian, you start to date that young man, he's going to come to church. He's going to tell you that he loves the Lord. He's going to tell you that he wants to serve the Lord. He's going to come to church till the day you get married. After the day you get married, he's not coming back to church. Because there's no missionary dating in, in the Bible. There's no missionary dating in the kingdom of God. You better know that that young man, he loves the Lord with all of his heart. You better know that before you even start dating him. You better know that because he loves God and wants to serve God and he's going he's gonna to keep God in the center of his life. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. But, but Samson started to go outside and play with sin. And the Bible also said that Samson went to the house of feasting and he began to drink. Now I want to start to meddle a little bit more here. And I want to tell you something about drinking. Now some of you might think, well, you know what, I have a liberty. And you know, the Bible doesn't say I can't drink any wine, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a liberty and I'm going to drink because, you know what, I, I, I think it's my freedom to drink. Listen, I've been to too many Christian weddings. I've been to too many weddings where people said they were believers. And I've seen Christians get drunk. I've seen Christians drink. And you know what? The Bible tells us that we're held to a higher standard. We're not held to the standard of liberty. We're held to the standard of love. And the Bible says, if I make somebody stumble, I will never do it again. And friend, let me tell you something. If they're watching you drink, they're thinking to themselves, it's okay to drink. Let me ask you a question right now. How would it look if you saw your senior pastor? Pastor Pete DeCroach drinking a martini. How would you feel about that? You wouldn't like that, would you? Because you wouldn't know if he drank one or five. How would you like to see your senior pastor over Pastor Pete drinking a martini? You know, I, I'm pretty silly, so you might think, well, <laughs> he's just silly. But how do you know I didn't get drunk? You see, you wouldn't like it, right? You wouldn't like to see your pastor drinking a martini. Friend, you're no different than me. You're a child of God. You represent the king. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And we walk in the law of love. 
And the Bible says, if I make somebody stumble, I'll never do it again. So here's what the Bible says. If you got a freedom, keep it to yourself. Don't make it public lest you make somebody stumble and fall. So the Bible says that, that Samson was to be a mighty man of God, filled with the power of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was not to be intoxicated with alcohol or wine. But he started to play with wine and alcohol, and he started to play with the opposite sex. And the Bible says that sometime later, he fell in love with a young lady. That's the problem. I'm just kidding. The Bible says sometime later in Judges chapter 16 verse 4, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Everybody say Delilah. Delilah. She was beautiful. And he was awestruck with Delilah. And the Bible says the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. And the young lady loved the money more than she loved the honey. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength. And how you can be tied up and subdued. And Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Come on, somebody say, any other man. He said, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh thongs and, ha and that had not been dried, and she tied him up with them. With the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the thongs as easy as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to the fire. So the secret of his strength was not yet discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now. Tell me how you can be tied. And he said, if anyone ties me securely with a new rope, that has never been used, I will become as weak as any other. Everybody say, as weak as any other. All right, everybody in the Valley Stream campus, sit up right now. I'm watching you. I'm looking. And I want you to say with me, as weak as anyone else. As weak as anyone else. There you go. So Delilah took new ropes and tied them up. Then with men hidden in the room, she called them Samson. The Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off. As they were threads, Delilah then said to Samson, Until now, you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And you think to yourself for a moment, Samson, don't you see what's going on? You see, this is what happens when you play with sin and compromise in your life. You become more dull, more dull to the Spirit of God, the voice of God that you can't hear. You can't even see the deception of the enemy in your life. When you're playing with sin, you can't see that you're in a spiritual battle for your life. And so Samson should have discovered in a moment. Could you think for a moment? Here she is. She ties him up. She calls the men out. They come out. They try to subdue him. And he subdues them. Does it again the second time. I think maybe Samson thought for a moment that he could do it a third time. Notice what it says. And he replied, if you weave the seven braids of my head into fabric on the loom... And tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. Everybody say, as weak as any other man. Notice the progression. 
He starts with rope. Now he's going to his hair. He's getting closer and closer to telling her his secret of his strength. Notice what happens again. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into a fabric, and tightened it with a pin. Again, she called to Samson. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and the loom from the fabric. Then she said to him, how can you say that you love me? Wow, can you imagine that? I mean, you said that you love me. How is it that you say that you love me? Notice, when you won't confide in me, this is the third time you have made a fool out of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, uh-oh, here it is, here it is. With such nagging, the proverb said, better to be on the corner of a house than in the, in the house itself with a nagging woman. But she starts nagging him. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says, day after day, she prods him until he is tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said. Because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. Everybody say, as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, he, she knows at this point he's telling the truth now. She sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. And he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go out like before and I'll shake myself free. Wow, what a sad story. What an incredibly heartbreaking story that Samson thought that he could play with sin, that Samson thought that his strength really came from himself, that he could shake himself free and do it again. You know, I want to tell you something. There are some churches in America, there are some churches even in the assemblies of God that, that the Spirit of God is not a, a working in that church and no one would even know the difference. There are some Christians that are living a religious life, but they're denying the power of God to live an overcoming life in their life, and they don't even know the difference that the Spirit of the Lord is not even really working in their life. I never want to get to that place in my life. I never want to get to the place where I don't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord left me, as it says of Samson, that he didn't even realize that the Spirit of God left him, that the anointing of God left his life, that the strength and power that came from God had departed from him. Notice what it said. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, and they set him to grinding in the prison. Now listen to me. This story is a heartbreaking story on several different levels. This story is heartbreaking because the truth is, this world is filled with people, with young men and young women that are like Samson who had incredible potential in their life. They are would have been instead of could, could do great things in their life. 
The, the young men and women who could have been heroes of the faith, world changers, instruments of God's grace, messengers of God's message, ministers of Christ's majesty and glory, people who have, could have made a great difference in the world, people who have, could have been history makers in their own right. They could have been put in the, the, the hall of faith, but now they're put in the hall of shame. Instead, they're living in bondage and blindness. They've traded their divine purpose for pleasure for a moment. They've traded their God-ordained possibility for a moment of popularity and Samson could have gone down as one of the greatest judges in the history of Israel. Samson could have gone down in the history of those people that stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with those that did great things for God. But Samson will always be known as the young man who gave it away. Samson will always be known as the man who could have been. I think there's Something, though, that even goes even deeper than just the sad fact that Samson was a could have been, a should have been, instead of what God wanted to do in his life. I think there's something more deceptive. Listen to me in both campuses. There's something more deceptive about this story that the devil wants all of us to miss this morning. I think there's something even more regretful in this story. Now, I've heard a lot of sermons about Samson about how you should not play with sin. That every step that you take closer to sin is bringing you closer to destruction. And I appreciate all those sermons, but I think there's something deeper and more deceptive in this story that we need to uncover today. And here it is. Samson simply forgot where his strength really came from. That's the saddest part of this whole story. You see, this story is about a young man who forgot that all of his strength, all of his ability, all of his power, all of his wisdom, all of his accomplishments, all of the victories that he had, all the might that was within him, everything that he had came directly from the Lord. You see, I think somewhere down the line, Samson began to believe his own press. See, I want to tell you something. Just like Samson himself said it, Samson was just a mere man. Now, when we get a picture of Samson, we think Samson looked like Fabio. You know Fabio. I'm looking at all the women. They know who Fabio is. That Samson had this long blonde hair and blue eyes, and he looked really good. Samson was hot, you know. He was really strong. But I want to tell you today, and I submit to you today, that Samson didn't have a strong physique. He looked more like me. That Samson was just an ordinary dude. That there was nothing special about Samson except what God put in Samson's life. I think that Samson was a skinny little guy, but he had a call on his life. He had a purpose in his life. God had set him apart. And God said, I'm going to use this young man and I'm going to send my spirit upon him. And when my spirit comes upon him, he will be mightier than a thousand men. He will be stronger than two thousand men. Why? Because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. Come on, Valley Stream, say amen. I want to hear it. All the way from Valley Stream. And the belief that he would look in the mirror and he was a skinny little dude, but he would see big muscles. And he thought to himself that he was the one that was doing all these things. He said, I'm pretty hot. 
I'm pretty good at what I do. I'm highly respected and I can do whatever I want to do and I can get away with it. You see, because I'm the million dollar man. And the truth is, I don't think for one minute that Samson, for one minute, really, really understood that all of his power and everything that he ever received came directly from the hand of God. Listen to me. His strength came totally from the Lord. And unfortunately, Samson thought, you can cut my hair, and like other times, I'll just get back up again and I'll take care of business. I'll confront my adversaries with my own strength now. You see, because I've been pretty successful. And that's what happens so often in Christians' lives. You see, here, here's what the Lord spoke to me about as we conclude this series today. That, that I've been telling you, and Pastor Pete has been telling you for a couple of weeks now, that you need to be strong in the Lord. That you need to be a strong person. That you need to have courage and conviction. That you've got to be a person that's got it all together. But unfortunately, I think some of us might think that we have to do it in our own strength. That willpower is going to be what's going to save the day. That our own intelligence or our own effort is going to keep us from the evil one. But the truth is, we can't do anything without God. That it's all God. And this is what I've been crying out to God all week as I've been walking. And I've been doing a lot of walking this week and and just praying in parks and just getting away with God. And I want to be honest with you as your, as your pastor today. I want to be really honest with you. That I've got to the point where I say, God, I'm so desperate, God. I can't make it without you, God. I will fail. I will fall, God. Lord, I will make some mistakes in my life. God, I need you every minute of my life. Every moment of my life, God. I'm completely dependent upon you. You see, this story is a vivid reminder of one thing. Our strength comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Somebody help me out today. You saw, the psalmist said in Psalms 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my strength, where does my victory, where does my courage come from? My strength and my help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. The psalmist declared in Psalms 84, Blessed or happy, satisfied, and complete is the man who finds his strength in the Lord. He says, we have set our hearts on a pilgrimage. And as we pass through even the most difficult valleys in our life, the valley of Baca, we make that place a place of springs, of autumn rains that covered with pools of water. Why? Because we will go from strength to strength when we realize and recognize that all our power, power all our might comes directly from the hand of the Lord. And see, this morning I want to remind you, I want to warn you, I want to remind myself that I must never ever get to the point in my life where I begin to think like Samson, that for even one moment that I can do it without the presence of God in my life. That even for one moment I can do it without filling my heart with God's Word, without spending time in prayer with God. 
without crying, crying out to the Holy Spirit saying, God, I'm empty. Fill me up again, Lord, because I don't want to go without you, God. Lord, I cannot go without you, God. I cannot do it without you, God. Lord, I need you every moment of my life. It is your breath. It is your spirit. It is your strength. It is your courage. It is your wisdom. It is everything that you are living inside of me that gives me the strength and the power to do everything that I do in my life. Paul the Apostle is so different from Samson. Two different people. Samson believes he can do it on his own strength. But notice what Paul the Apostle says. After he's a successful Pharisee, a religious leader, he gets to the point in his life where he says, you know, all of that stuff that I ever accomplished in my life, he said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He said, I had so much knowledge and wisdom. He said, but I found that there was sin in my life. He declares, who will rescue me from this body of sin? He says, I know that I want to do good, but I find that there is a, is a war going on in my spirit. And the very thing that I want to do, I don't do. And the very thing I don't want to do, I do. He said, who will rescue me from this body of sin? He said, thanks be to God that I find all of my victory and all of my strength and all of my power in the power of the Spirit in my life. He said, for what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by my sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man so that He would be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. We do not live according to the flesh. We do not live according to the law, but we live in the power of the Spirit. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. Listen to me. Jesus said, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He said, pray. Understand. And you know, here's the heart of prayer. Listen to me, Valley Stream. Here's the heart of prayer. The heart of prayer is saying, God, I'm desperate without you. At the very core, the very definition of prayer is a soul on its knees. The very definition of prayer is a person saying, God, I can't do it without you. God, I need you in my life. You see, temptation will overcome us if we don't depend on the power of God. Satan will overcome us. That's why Paul, the apostle said, be strong in the Lord and in the mighty power of that you find in the spirit put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggles not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and wickedness in high places therefore put on the full armor of God so that when you are tempted it's not in your own strength but it's in the strength of the Lord so our strength comes from the Lord our strength is in the Lord Notice what happens to Samson. I love this. Judges chapter 16, verse 22. So now he's blind. And that's symbolic, folks. When they plucked out his eyes, that was symbolic of spiritual blindness. And I, I suppose that, that Samson really regretted the decisions that he made in his life. And the Bible says that now they take Samson and he's, he's grinding. He's, he's, he's like, like a horse, like a mule would grind. He's, he's grinding out the wheat. And the Philistines are laughing. He's become the laughing stock of the Philistines. And now the Bible says that the elders of the Philistines say, let's bring that great hero of God into the great palace of our pagan God. And let's 
put them on display so that we can laugh. We can eat and get drunk and laugh at this fool. And so Samson is, is, is tied up to two pillars. But the Bible says, listen to me, this is so encouraging. I want to encourage you with this word. But the Bible says, but Samson's hair started to grow again. And I'm here to tell you, Valley Stream, maybe you're watching this via live stream. You're not in one of our campuses, but you're watching it in your home. Maybe you're watching this in Africa or Asia or wherever it is in South America. And you're watching this and you're saying, can I ever be what God called me to be? Have I gone too far? Have I made too many mistakes in my life? Is God going to ever forgive me for what I've done in my life? But the Bible says that his hair began to grow again. That's a symbol of God's grace in our life. That's a symbol of God's mercy in our life. That God still loves us. And that God still believes that there's a plan that he has for your life. No matter who you are, new life. I want to tell you this morning that no matter what you've done in your past, if you come to the Lord and you say, God, please forgive me, God. Lord, I've made a mess of my life. But God, I want my hair to grow again, God. I want to feel your presence again. I want you to use me like you use me. God will come again and he'll touch your life and he'll speak life into you again and he'll use you again. And the Bible says that Samson was bound between these two pillars, but he prayed out to the Lord and listened to the prayer that he prayed. Oh God, just one more time. Give me strength. Wow. I thought about that this week. I thought about that. How many times we pray to God, just one more day, God. God, just one more moment, God. Give me strength, oh God. Maybe that's where you're at right now. You say, God, I just want strength for today, this very moment. And Samson says, oh God, be merciful to me one more time. Strengthen my life. And the Bible says that Samson was given that strength one more time. And he pulled down those pillars and he killed more men in one day than he ever did in his lifetime. We see we never, we never can ever forget that our strength comes from God. That God has given us his precious Holy Spirit to provide for us supernatural strength in every situation in my life, in your life. Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Friend, you're not alone. Christ has not left you alone to do it in your own strength and your own power. He has sent his precious Holy Spirit into this world. He has sent his Holy Spirit into your life so that you might have power, not of your own, but by the spirit of the living God. So today I want to ask you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You see, here's the problem with most of us. Maybe you were filled a long time ago. Maybe you were filled yesterday. But here's the problem most Christians. We leak. We leak out. Our vessel leaks. And we need to be filled on a daily basis. You see, here's what, what so many people think. We think that we can come to church on Sunday and somehow the pastor is going to have this magic power wand. He's going to have this magic grace wand and we're going to come up front and the pastor is going to pray for us and lay hands on us and we're going to fall down and we're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, I've seen the power of God do some incredible things. I've seen God move in ways that would blow your mind. But we really honestly think that we can come to the filling station once a week 
and we can have somebody pray for us and then we go down in the spirit and then we're like plugged in and we're a battery and we're going to get charged up and it's going to keep us all week long until next Sunday. And here's what happens. I know I hear it. I hear some of you on Facebook. I see it on Facebook. Pastor Steve, that was a powerful message, man. I'm feeling good. That's Monday. Tuesday, it's like, Pastor Steve, I'm still feeling pretty good. Wednesday, oh, Pastor Steve, please pray for me. Thursday, I need to go back to church. Saturday, please. Oh, God, I need another filling, God. <laughs> you see, but God never intended us to come to church once a week and get filled with his strength. God has given us a fountain of his grace every day of our life. God has given us his spirit every day of our life so that we can be strong. We can be courageous. We can have the strength of the Lord every single day of our life. But it will require us to go into our prayer closet. It will require us to get back into the word again, not just once a week, but every single day of our life. Friends, let me tell you something. I'm an absolute mess if I didn't pray. You don't want to meet me if I didn't pray because I'm a mess. And I want to admit that I am completely undone unless God comes into my life. Some people have said that, that, that God is a crutch. That believing in God, faith in God is a crutch. And I want to tell you, it absolutely is a crutch. Believing in God is my crutch. Here's the difference. That crutch never breaks. It never fails me. It's never failed me one time. I can go back to the crutch. I can go back to the well every day of my life. And I can receive strength. God can refocus my life again. I read the word and it becomes bread to my soul. It becomes life to my spirit. Hallelujah. God begins to encourage me again. I come bleeding. I come weak into the presence of God. I come desperate in the presence of God. I come poor in the presence of God. As Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom kingdom of God. Jesus was saying, when you're humble in the presence of God, God will fill you. God will give you whatever you need. Why? Because number two, I want you to write this down. God perfects his strength in you when you're weak. That's the difference between Paul the apostle and Samson. Samson began to believe his own press. I can do it in my own strength. I'm really good. But Paul the Apostle said, I can't do it without the Lord. He said, I, I consider everything that I've ever accomplished in my life like dung, that I may gain Christ, that I may gain Him, gain His approval, gain His blessing, gain His power in my life. You know, God, God sent the thorn in Paul's life. And all of us have a thorn, whatever it is. And God didn't specifically specifically tell us what Paul's thorn was. Why? Because every one of us have a different thorn in our life. But here's what the Bible says that Paul recognized to keep him from becoming conceited, having a warped view of who we are without God, to keep him from becoming conceited, God allowed Paul the apostle to have a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan. And Paul cries out three times, God, I feel weak, God. Lord, I feel so desperate and vulnerable, God. How many of you in this room, sometimes you feel really vulnerable, you feel desperate? Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. The Bible says that Paul cried out to the Lord and said, take this thorn away from me. And God said, no. He said, I'm going to give you that thorn so that you might not be filled with yourself, 
filled with conceit. Believe your own press. He said, why? He said, because my grace is perfected. My grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, then I make you strong. And so Paul the Apostle realizes before it's too late. Samson realized it a little too late. But Paul the Apostle said, so I would rather glory in my weakness, in my infirmity, so that the power of God would rest upon me. For when I am weak, then God's strength is, listen to me, perfected in my life. I think the word is perfected there. That God wants to perfect strength in your life. Because you're going to fall. How many of you fail God? Let me see your hands. The rest of you, you're in denial. You need some serious prayer. Oh, we fail God. We want to be strong. How many of you, you want to be strong? You know, you want to be a person of faith. You want to believe God. You get sick and you want to pray for healing. Something comes against you and you want to stand strong. You want to be courageous. You want to be like Beniah. You want to be like Daniel. You want to be like Joshua and Caleb. You want to say, we can go in and take the land. But so often we cower and we go back and we feel so bad because we failed the Lord. And we say, God, I, I feel so weak. That's a good place to be. Why? Because when you fail weak, when you feel like, you know what, I can't do it by myself, then you rely on God. And God says, you know what, I'm now going to begin the perfecting work in your life to perfect strength in you. And that takes time. Listen, you're a work in progress. Turn to your neighbor right now. Come on, Valley Stream, I'm watching you. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're a piece of work. You are a piece of work. And every day, God is perfecting you to make you more like him. Why? Because your greatest asset, listen to me, is your understanding of how weak you really are. Your greatest asset, your greatest strength, your greatest ability is understanding that you're too weak to do it yourself. So you go back to God and God's strength is perfected in your life. Hallelujah. But I, I like the last thing as the worship team comes in both campuses. I like the last point that I want to make to you today. That I want to suggest to you today that the Holy Spirit, listen to me, has been given to us so that we can rely on His strength, not our strength. As Paul the Apostle said, I want your eyes to be open. I want your mind to be engaged. And I want you to understand that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you. And may you be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the indwelling of the Son of God. Listen to me. The third point, write this down, is that God not only gives you strength, but God is your strength. Hallelujah. That's a big difference. Come on, somebody say amen. God doesn't only give you strength, but God himself is your strength. Notice what it says. It says in Isaiah 40, it says he gives strength to the weary and increases power for the weak. So we're weak. We know we're weak. We know we can't do without God. But there's an abundance of grace that is found in knowing that we're weak and knowing that God is with us. There is power that will defeat any devil. There is power that will defeat any fear in your life. There is power that will overcome and overpower every enemy and every temptation in your life. There is power to lift you out of the pit of depression and discouragement in your life. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. But notice something. I love this. 
Psalms 28, 7 says, The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give Him thanks with a song. Psalms 118, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Surely God, my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength. You know what the greatest part of being a Christian is? That God Almighty has come to live inside of us. And that He'll never leave us, nor forsake us. I love what Abraham said. Abraham said, God, you are my great reward. In other words, Abraham didn't just say, God, you reward me with great things. He said, you are my great reward. God, your very presence, your very person, God, who you are is in my life. And just knowing that you're with me, you yourself become my very strength. You know what that tells me? That tells me that we could have intimacy with God in such a way that just knowing that he's with us, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, he himself becomes our very strength. I want you to bow your heads right now and close your eyes. I read something from one of the greatest preachers in the history of the church. His name is Charles Spurgeon. And I want you to close your eyes and listen to this carefully. Charles Spurgeon once said, he's an old preacher, he said, a primary qualification for serving God with any amount of success and for doing God's work well and triumphantly is a sense of our own weakness. Do you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Valley Stream? When God's warrior marches forth to battle, strong in his own might, when he boasts, I know that I shall conquer my own right arm and my own conquering sword shall get unto me the victory. Defeat is not far distant. God will not go forth with that man who marches in his own strength. He who reckoneth on victory thus hath reckoned wrongly. For it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. They who go forth to fight, boasting of their prowess, shall return with their happy banners trailed in the dust and their armor stained with disgrace. But those who serve God must serve Him in His way, in His strength, or He will never accept their service. That which man doth, unaided by divine strength, God can never own. The more fruits of the earth he casteth away. He will only reap that corn, the seed of which was sown from heaven, watered by grace and ripened by the sun of divine love. God will empty out all that thou hast before he will put his own into thee. He will first clean out the granaries before he will fill them with the finest of wheat. The river of God is full of water. But not one drop of it flows from earthly springs. God will have no strength used in his battles, but the strength which he himself imparts. Are you mourning over your weakness today? Take courage. Are you mourning over your failures today? Take courage. 
For there must be a consciousness of weakness before the Lord will give us great victory. Your emptiness is but the preparation for you being filled. And your casting down is but the making ready for your lifting up. Come on, somebody say amen. Would you raise your hands with me in both campuses? Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that we rely on your strength, God. Lord, it's not by our own strength, oh God. Lord, it's not by our own wisdom. Lord, it's not by our own might, God. But God, today, we're relying on you, God. We're saying, God, we're totally desperate upon you, God. And Lord, you resist the proud, but you give grace. And God, your definition of grace is you giving us what we need, when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. And God, we don't deserve your strength today. We don't deserve victory in our life. But God, you give it to us because you're a merciful and loving God. And all you ask from us today is that we surrender wholeheartedly to you, God. And we say, God, we want you in our lives. We want you to fill our lives. We thank you, God. I want everybody in both campuses, if you're in the cafe in Valley Stream, if you're in the balcony, if you're on the main floor, if you're in the New Life campus, I want you all to stand to your feet right now. And I want you to raise your hand as high as you can to heaven. And I want you to just praise the Lord with me. Come on, everybody, just praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for your strength. Come on, let me hear you, New Life campus. Thank you, God, for your strength today, God. Thank you for your power today, God. That your power is made strong, Lord, and perfected in our weakness, God. We declare that we're weak without you, God. That we're desperate for you, God. God, renew our soul. Revive our spirit, God. Refresh us, God, in your presence today, God. Father, we thank you. We declare our dependence upon you, God. Lord, as this country has declared its independence, God, we declare our dependence on God today, God. We are dependent on you, God. Lord, we're dependent upon your power. We're dependent upon your spirit. We're dependent upon your son to bring life to us, God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody cry out to God. Oh, God, we cry out to you, God, and we say thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Fill us again, Lord. Fill us again, Lord Jesus, with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would go downstairs in the cafe, that you would go into the balcony, that you would come to the first floor, God, and all these campuses, oh God. And Lord, you would begin to do a new work, God. Father, for those that are backslidden, God. For those that are lost, oh God. For those that are away from you, God. For those that feel like they can never come back, God. Today's their day to come back, God. Today's their day to come home to say, yes, God. I can't do it on my own, God. But you're going to do it in my life today. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, begin to work in this place right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed, and, and Valley Stream, stay with me. I'm going to ask every head bowed, every eye closed in this place today. You say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus to rescue me from my sin and give me a hope in my heart that I would know that even though there's nothing good in me, that God can send His Holy Spirit to change my life wherever you are right now. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I want you to raise your hand right now. Maybe you're here today. Say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Pastor, pray for me today. I want to get right with God today. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm getting right with God today. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. If you're on the Valley Stream campus and you're in the balcony today and you're in the cafe, wherever you are, Maybe you're watching this via live stream today. I want you to get on your knees wherever you are. And I want you to say, God, rescue me today. And I want you to know that if you say it, the Bible says that he'll come into your life and he will rescue you. All you have to do, he's one prayer away. He's one whisper away. He's one cry away. His grace is right there with you. And he wants to come into your life. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man would open the door, I will come in. That's the promise. And so we're going to do something in both campuses. I want everybody, everywhere, anywhere in the campuses, I want you to say with me today and I want you to do something. The first thing I want you to do is if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you first. And listen, if you can't do this before people in the church, you'll never do it in the world. And Jesus is calling you out to be separate. That's what he's doing. He's calling you out to be separate. And so I'm going to ask you right now to slip out of your seat if you raise your hand. In this campus and in the other campus, there's pastors at the other campus. There's altar workers. I want you to come. If you raise your hand and meet me right here at the altar. If you raise your hand this morning, come on out right now. Meet me at this altar. Come on. Quickly. Come on. Quickly. Anybody, come on. Quickly. Come on. If you said, I, you know what? I want to get back to God. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you love the Lord. But you just feel like, you know what, I need to make a recommitment to God that I'm going to depend on His strength. I've been depending a little too much on my strength. I want you to come and stand right here. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody quickly. The last thing I'm going to ask you, anyone in this room here, I'm going to ask everyone to make a stand to say, God, from now on, I want every day, one day at a time, I want to read my word. Here's what I've been doing. I've been reading through the book of Psalms. Now, let me tell you, I'll give you a half a year of Bible reading. I'll give you 150 chapters in the Bible to read. The Psalms. I've been reading the Psalms because I want to get filled with His strength. I feel like these days that I need to rely on the God who gives me strength. Amen? So I'm going to read every day with you. In both campuses, we're going to read one Psalm a day. One, one whole chapter of Psalms a day. And we're going to spend time every day crying out to God, saying, God, I need you. Just tell him, I need you. Prayer is a man or a woman on its knees saying, I need you. Spend time in the presence of God. And the last thing I want to encourage you to do, you know, you need the prayer, you need the word, and you need fellowship. 
And we're starting here again, a new foundations class. Now you might say, you know what? I've already gone through a foundational process in my life. You need to go back again. Because we're going to take you through a process of understanding how to pray, how to read your word, how to be in fellowship. And so we're going to do it at this campus and the other campus on Wednesday night. Or this campus is on Thursday night. And the campus over there is on Wednesday night. I want to encourage you to get into the Word, get into fellowship, because we can't do it without one another. Now, here's the last thing I want to ask everyone to do in both campuses. I want you right now, everybody, not one person in the pew, I want you to say with me, and I want you to proclaim this with your feet and with your hands and your mouth. I want you to get out of your seat right now, and I want you to come to this altar, because the altar is a place of death to self. Listen to me. I still believe in the altar of God. It's a place of death to self where you're saying, God, I'm not depending on myself anymore. I'm going to wholly be humbled in your presence and I'm going to depend upon your power. I want you to get out of your seat and stand right at this altar and say, as a sign of faith and dependence on God, not independence, but dependence on God I'm gonna say God I want you to fill me today again I'm asking you God to do a work in my life come on everybody raise your hands right now now we're gonna switch to the worship team in the in the Valley Stream campus and Pastor Jared is going to come up and he's gonna lead you guys in the Valley Stream campus in a time of prayer and worship but I want you in Valley Stream to come out of your seats as well and just come to the altar and say I am declaring to God that I am dependent solely on Him. God bless you. Hallelujah. Come on, raise your hands, everybody.